So anyway, this fat woman is telling me about how her husband left her, and she reaches into her purse, moves aside the pastrami sub, and produces two $500 courtside tickets to tonight's all-star charity basketball game. That's wrong. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. Hey, what's up? Here we are. The Married with Children podcast is back back. I'm sure you've been wondering where we've been for all of June, July, and August. I have a lot of information to uh, relay to everybody. I'll do that at the end of the show at the one hour and 47 minute mark. Once the review and, you know, talking to our special guest is uh, all wrapped up, I'll hop back on here and fill you in. So right now, I am recording this intro today, September 5th, the day before my 41st birthday. And as a gift to me and everyone else, the Married with Children podcast will continue, but not the way you are familiar with. There's a ton of changes. There's a lot more variety. The podcast will not leave you hanging at the end of season seven. It will continue. Just differently. And today is the 27th anniversary of when season eight first aired. That's why we're releasing this on Saturday instead of the regular Wednesday schedule, just to hit that mark, because we wanted to kind of make this special since, you know, the show is back and, you know, everybody thought it was gone. So we wanted to do something ceremonial. So on the 27th anniversary of the premiere of Season 8, we're releasing our Season 8 premiere. Now you may be wondering, uh, what does he mean he's recording right now on September 5th, and so what does that mean about what we're hearing? Well, what you're hearing was recorded and ready to be released on June 10th. This episode was supposed to go out on June 10th, 2020. So without further ado, here is the last episode of the Marrow Children podcast you will ever hear with the original team. And oddly enough, Dan didn't make it to this show. So it was just Jamie, myself, and our special guest, Annabelle Whitford. Enjoy, guys. Welcome to season eight of the Married with Children podcast. It is a huge night for everyone. I mean, for us, it's Silicone Madness Night here tonight at the Nudie Bar, so this is great. My name is Al, and I am excited. We're going to be missing Dan, but hey, Baldy, are you a real podcaster, or did Sinead O'Connor grow a dick? (laughs) (laughs) And we have a special, special, very special guest with us today. It's Annabelle from the podcast group, and I've got my robe and my bonbon bib. I'm ready to go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're all pegged out. I love the bonbon bib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. 
Annabelle, welcome to the Married with Children podcast. It's it's long overdue. You've helped the Married with Children community, the online community, so much with your websites, all the work you do, your YouTube channel. So please tell everybody where they can find you online. Well, thank you, first of all. Uh, yeah, so I have a Facebook group. It's called Married with Children Unofficial, and I had to add the unofficial after a while to distinguish it from other Married with Children groups and to make it quite clear that it was unofficial, an unofficial group because I get so many messages. And uh, yes, YouTube, like you said, my YouTube name is Bundiana, one word, and that's where you find all the Married with Children promos and various other clips I find all over the internet, things like that. And of course, I've got my web pages. Uh, as a unit, they're called the Maridaniac Macrocosm of Married with Children. And in there, you'll find sort of three sub-sites. One's called Buddom. It's a site I started a long time ago. It's all devoted to David Faustino and all his stuff. Um, it's basically like a giant biography and filmography. And I'm, there's a massive update coming on that. And there's one called All Things Episodic, which is a bit of a lie because it's not really all things. It's mostly just transcripts and you might not find anywhere else. And some episode reviews. I should really add these podcasts to those. And yeah. the other side is a, a cast database. So it's um, not for Sino, it's everybody else. And that's basically an illustrated filmography for each cast member. So that's basically it. And you can sort of find me. If you search Mary Daniak, which has been my nicknames since I was about 14. Wow. Online, you'll probably find something. It's just a, a username that I ran with and I guess it has stuck with me. Yeah. And obviously I'm Australian, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for being on the Marriage Children Research Team all this time. You have helped the show out immensely. Um, thank you for uploading these promos in the nick of time uh you have a, a ton of them for this episode that we're gonna get to um so thank you for that you know uh annabelle like i guess she was doing that before but once this podcast started and she realized you know hey it would be cool to hear the promo in it she started uploading them and told me about it and she literally uploads them seemingly a week or two before you started you i think you found one online i think you found one online and then you just um, you used it, and I thought, hang on, I've got some more. I might as well just upload them if you're going to use them. So, yeah, it sort of became my mission to find them all. And <laughs> I've got some I haven't found. But if you do look for them, and if you're, you know, an anorak like me, you're going to search for all this kind of stuff because they use a lot of footage that, you know, you haven't seen before, doesn't make the episode, or it's slightly different or whatever. So they're a real treat to find sometimes. Very interesting ones too. But. <laughs> I love it. I'm always in awe of the stuff that you do, the stuff that you find, uh, and your dedication to it. It is amazing. Oh, and I'm you. so glad that you're on our side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like I said, I use my powers for good instead of evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine if she started, she was like, you know what? I'm going to start my own Marrow Children podcast. What is this? Who are these people who showed up out of nowhere? Oh, I had no desire to start a podcast because I, if I had, I probably would have done it by now, but... It'd rather have it be done by proper podcasters like you guys do. Well, or she could, using all of your wealth of knowledge to tear us down every week, and you don't do that, so I appreciate it. Because <laughs> I imagine there are times you're sitting over there going, what, what, what? 
Yeah, there are people who definitely listen to our show, and I swear they just listen to correct us or to fill us in on what we missed or whatever. And it's like, dude, chill out and relax and enjoy. Have fun. That's all this is. We don't really care if we miss a thing or two. It's really not a big deal, you know? We might sound anal sometimes when we try to piece things together on the show or try to connect birthdays and anniversaries and this and that and the other thing. But that's just, like, the fun of, like, trying to, like, you know... I don't know. It's like the fun of podcasting. It's not being anal. It's not being analytical in a, a weird level. It's just like something to do. You know what I mean? So people might hear that and get the wrong impression of it and think that everything has to be perfectly technical accurate. And it's like, no, it's just we're just doing it for the hell of it. It's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, when you first heard us being who you are, on in the online community and what you've done and your history and how long you've been doing it what did you think what was like your honest opinion when you heard like let's just say five of the episodes what did you think uh of all that uh well i found you on youtube and it was right towards the end of season one and i thought oh a married children podcast that's interesting i'm doing this um these are not guys i've seen online on on the forum or on facebook i'm like who are these guys and then i listened to it (laughs) and the first episode i listened to i think it was where's the boss in season one Mm. yeah or if not nightmare on our street but i was listening to it while cleaning my house and i had the house to myself then and i ended up listening to the whole thing i thought oh wow i really like this sort of fresh perspective that say justin and jerry had going on i'm like alex is a real fan that's cool and then listening and I thought there's a couple of things like maybe a couple of references you're missing here and there but not to get too anal about it and I thought you know I could help you guys out but and so yeah when you when I found the podcast Facebook group a, that you had a uh, Facebook group that was a good sign so I, I joined and I just kept my eye on it and I said oh, I can help you guys out and when you said something about joint making or creating a reference uh, or research team I thought well I can help you out with that because what else am I going to do? I've been sitting here for to marry children. I might as well help you out. So, yeah, I just sort of started listening and just didn't stop. So I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To get your approval is a big deal. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, that's like the seal of approval, basically. And that was a great thing for us. So um, I guess to to wrap up the intro and then get into this first episode of season eight, I guess we'll ask you the question that uh, is on everyone's mind, I suppose, that's in this community at least. Do you feel that season seven of Married with Children jumped the shark or no after this deep dive we gave it for the last few months? Uh, and No, it did not jump the shark. It sort of it went up the ramp almost testingly at the beginning of season seven, also at the beginning of season six too, and it's like, no, 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 no. And I think Stevens, I've said on the group page that season seven is great. Um, I've always liked it very much. I couldn't tell you why exactly. But, yeah, that little walking seven is is just the worst decision the show ever made. But mm-hmm. it didn't dampen my my enthusiasm of the season of of it all in general. So, no, it did not jump the shark is the short answer. Nice. Perfect. See that, Jamie? She agrees. Yay. <laughs> well, yeah. 
How could it? How could it have? Look at the things we just like. Look at the episodes we just reviewed. We just I mean, said, <laughs> yeah. it was a good season. Uh, it was, um, yeah. And Alex had me all scared going into season seven because I didn't remember a lot about it because it was around that point. I mean, you've heard me say it. It was around that point that I had stopped watching it regularly, so I knew some episodes here and there, but. Alex had me all scared. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is the season where everybody like this has a jump the shark and this could be really bad. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> but it absolutely was not. It was it was fun. You remember how um, in the season six wrap up show, I we you know, we went through all the upcoming episodes and I was excited about basically most of them. <laughs> And you you were like, wow, from your reactions, it doesn't sound like this is going to jump the shark. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how it does. Well, yeah, because you were like, and there's a guest on this one that you're going to be really excited about. And then the, and then on this episode, this is going to be really fun. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but this is you know, so. Is that Corey Feldman? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're horror losers. <laughs> so it's a big deal for us. So, uh, yeah, well, let's get into season eight. Now, uh, there are a few changes on the show, Annabelle, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, new credits and new hair, which bothers me in some respect. But even uh, a bigger change, the uh, the writers, the creative team. Mm-hmm. We got the, uh, the divorce of Ron Levitt and Michael Moy. Now, do you have any inside information on exactly why these two split at this point? See, I'm not entirely sure on the specifics, but I don't know if Jessica Hahn is responsible for Ron getting divorced or not, or if she's just an afterthought, so to speak. But, yeah, I don't know. But All right. Well, uh, yeah, we're reviewing A Tisket, A Tasket, Can Peg Make a Basket? Season 8, Episode 1. Original air date, September 5th, 1993, the day before my birthday. Director Tony Singletary, not a uh, a new director. Yeah, new new director. Uh, writer Kim Weisskop, a new writer I've never seen on the show before. Special guest stars: Vladi Divac, Clyde Drexler, Xavier McDaniel, Roy Fagan as team official, Gerald Emmerich as man behind Al, Ray Clay as PA announcer. Then they have the cheerleaders, but there's no doesn't seem to be any credits there, so we'll skip that. When Al manages to get two prime tickets to a charity all-star basketball game, Peggy spoils his fun by insisting she come along. It's the event you've been waiting for. Hey, Barkley, you're playing like a virgin. The Bundys versus NBA All-Stars, Bloody Divots. Here's my phone number. There's only six of them. Well, not easy. Clyde the Glide Drexler. Hey, And in science news, researchers say it may be true that after several years, dogs and their masters begin to look alike. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Bud doesn't believe it, and just then, Peg walks in, mistaking Buck for Bud, yet she pets him on his head anyway. <laughs> so if she thought that was bud uh yeah it, that's weird but it's one of those 
this episode has the kinds of jokes that that uh, completely uh, dismiss any uh, signs of grounding. You know, like even this joke alone. But for some reason, I'm I could take it a lot better, and I feel like it's done better than it was in Every Bundy Has a Birthday. Remember at that point how we said everything's out the window now? Yeah. Would you guys say that the way things are done here, like this opening joke and Al getting thrown in the basketball hoop and everything, wouldn't you say at this point it's almost welcome and it's actually at least it's funny and it's like kind of the right time for it now and it just wasn't the right time back in season seven? Uh, Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, Yeah, it wouldn't have worked in season seven. But here it's sort of becoming a cartoon at this point and it's a, sort of a sign of things to come down the track in season 10 especially. But yeah, I mean it sort of – it works here, doesn't it, as opposed to last season. So It's funny too. Like it just – nothing was funny in that every Bundy has a birthday. So they kind of abandoned that whole approach almost instantly after that. Yeah. Al makes the same mistake and he also thinks Buck is Bud. <laughs> Which is uh, completely over the top, but still works. It's a repeat joke, too, you know, in season four in uh, Rain Girl, where like, Peggy, or Al says, you can, have, you can have your share of our son, Buck. And Peggy's like, no, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, over here, Mom. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, honey. Anyhow, your father will be home soon and he'll be looking for dinner. Tell him I hope he finds it. <laughs> I'm just going over to Marcy's. But, Mom, you'll miss Dad's latest episode of A Fat Woman Came Into the Shoe Store today. Actually, I already know how it ends. He doesn't get the sale or a life. Now, they say that as if Al says that constantly, but them even saying it like it's a trope on the show, it kind of almost points out that he really doesn't say it all that much yet. Maybe they're trying to build it as as an upcoming trope. You know, like they're... Like, hey, you know that thing that he always does that he doesn't always do yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Annabelle, like, being with your expertise, would you say he says this enough to to warrant this comment in the beginning of this episode? Yeah, I I agree, because it it comes later, so, um, like, he's already done it, but it hasn't become the thing that it is now. It's sort of become, it's becoming meta now, so... You expect it every episode, every time he walks in the door, he's going to say something like that. Yeah, so I think Jamie's absolutely right. They're they're yeah. sort of saying, we're going to build this into the show. Guess what happened today at the shoe store? Did a fat woman come in? Enormous. Wow, that was a spine tingler. Much better than yesterday's, a fat woman walked past the shoe store. Oh, I'm sorry, Peg, I must have forgot my manners. How'd you do at work today? I see. This woman comes in, and she is so fat, she actually has three smaller women orbiting around her. Just imagining that visual is great. So I'm trying to force a pair of size 13 shoes on her Jurassic feet. Uh, He says... That uh, she has Jurassic feet, and Jurassic Park was released in June of 1993, so uh, this word has entered the 
pop culture lexicon at this time, so as you know, they're up to date and current. When she says to me that her husband just left her. Ah, the plot thins. <laughs> Pardon me, son. Let's hear about your day at work today. Hmm, that's interesting. So anyway, this fat woman is telling me about how her husband left her, and she reaches into her purse, moves aside the pastrami sub, and produces two $500 courtside tickets to tonight's all-star charity basketball game. So we, again, with this pastrami sandwich, just like in uh, Rock of Ages. I'm surprised Al didn't pull it out of her purse and start playing it. It's just been like the third pastrami reference in like a whole season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank God I was divided by at least a different season this time. But yeah, they, they're going hard with the pastrami <laughs> sandwiches. Somebody really likes it. Is pastrami a Chicago thing? Ooh, maybe. $500 courtside tickets to tonight's all-star charity basketball game. This episode is also reminiscent of the pilot episode, which revolved around Al wanting to go to the Bulls game, if you remember. And Luke Ventura had two courtside tickets. And Al couldn't go because he had to meet Stephen Marcy. So, yeah, we get like an opening. So this is like remnant. I wonder if they uh, said, let's go old school or something and, and you know, kind of give a nod to the very first episode since it's the first one of season eight. Who knows? And then take it to the next level this time, you know? You mean the one to send overprivileged white kids to basketball camp? <laughs> hands across the suburbs? She gave you these tickets? Sold them to me, son, for a dollar apiece, which I didn't have. And Peg, thank you for that. <laughs> but which I was able to borrow at the mall fountain and the <laughs> charity mint box. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry Lewis can't afford Rip Taylor this Labor Day. <laughs> now it's just a matter of who I go with. What? No. And it's not because I don't love you like a sunbuck. Bud. Whatever. See, son, it's just that you can do nothing for me. Now, see, these are power seats. I need to talk to somebody with, with influence. I wonder what the doorman at the nudie bar is doing tonight. Well, it's fall. Maybe he's taking his shower. Call him, buddy's on speed dial, listed under grandma. romantic husband or what guess where he's taking me tonight on the kitchen table <laughs> better he's taking me to see the captain and Tennille unplugged gee you would have thought somebody would have plugged them by now it's their big reunion concert captain and Tennille were uh, recording artists who were big in the 70s it was a husband and wife duo they have five albums, and their big hits were songs like Love Will Keep Us Together, Do It To Me One More Time, and Muskrat Love. We all remember Steve singing Do It To Me One More Time. and No, that was Al in um, Do You Think I'm Sexy. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve sang If You Think I'm Sexy and You're... Yeah, he sang Do You Think I'm Sexy. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> this is a mix up. Yeah. Guess who's opening for them? The Carpenter. You saw it in the paper. The Carpenter? Uh, and that's uh, kind of a horrible joke. 
for uh, the fact that Karen Carpenter has died. <laughs> so it's just one Carpenter now instead of the Carpenters. So he's just referencing Richard. <laughs> yeah, that's a dark joke, but it's so funny. It is dark. And when he first said it, I thought my, my – I said in my head, is he talking about Richard or Jesus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Carpenter. Um, yeah, so Alan Pegg's wedding song – uh, referenced in season five's A Man's Castle is We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters. So he's very familiar. Which was our wedding song. Was it? Brian and me, yeah. <gasps> That's so cool. Wow. Nice. I love Karen Carpenter, by the way. You love Karen Carpenter? <laughs> yeah, she's one of my favorite singers. I've got oh, three she's... favorite singers, and they all start with K. Karen Carpenter, Katie Lang, and Katie Cigar. Wow. Look at you. Karen Carpenter was such an inspiration to me when I was growing She is just phenomenal. Her voice is unreal. Oh. Was she still a good singer when she was all anorexic and stuff, or did her voice go too? Yes. Yeah. She was always anorexic. <laughs> oh, she was. Yeah, and her uh, her voice was always – it just had this amazing tone and quality to it. Yeah. Uh, wow. Now I'm going to go listen to the Carpenters. Yeah. Yeah, these reunion concerts are great. They stir memories of the good times you had with the woman you've always loved and the great times you had with the women you barely knew. <laughs> I honestly can't think of another place I'd rather be tonight. <laughs> Me <laughs> what are those tickets to? Basketball. What a snore. Well, it may not have the same gripping excitement of my daddy saw my behind on Oprah week, but uh, <laughs> it gives me a reason to live. I want a reason too, Al. What'll it take? What have you got? Marcy's Discover card? <laughs> I'm over the limit on her visa. You're going to be over the limit on your health insurance deductible if we're not arm-in-arm arm singing muskrat love in a couple hours. I can't go, Al. I didn't invite you. Mara Children liked referencing muskrat love or the Muzak version of muskrat love uh, as said in For Whom the Bell Tolls and The Godfather. How come we never go to concerts? It's because we don't like the same people. For instance, you like you. <laughs> but Peg, Peg, I can promise you the day they put Captain and Tennille on a life support system, we'll be among the first to see them unplugged. <laughs> well, if we didn't need them for sex, they'd make great compost. <laughs> case you can grind mine up right now <laughs> oh al what is the big deal about going to a basketball game anyway i mean you watch it on tv all the time because peg there's nothing like being there in person so al said there's nothing like being there in person did you guys ever go to uh an nba basketball game not me Oh, no. <laughs> well, gee, I wonder why. Yeah, it's tough there. <laughs> I uh, No, I've never been to an NBA game, but I used to have season tickets to the Lady Dogs at UGA. Okay. Was that fun? Was there nothing like being there? 
Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had, um, well, we had an amazing team, so it was. it's always fun to watch when your team is winning. <laughs> I was big into basketball at this time, and probably uh, a year or two before this episode was filmed, I did go to basketball games, really the only time I ever did. I think I was 12 or 13, and uh, I went to go see the Chicago Bulls when they came to New Jersey to beat the Nets. I was a huge Bulls fan at this time, so I was big into basketball, and it's weird because a lot of what's going on in this episode pertains to to, the, to that whole moment in time in basketball with certain references, and it's weird that we're doing this episode now because a couple weeks ago, they just aired The Last Dance, which is a 10-part documentary of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, and they deep dived into everything that went on during this time and when the Bulls came back and won their next three championships. So it literally is the the greatest documentary I've ever seen. It's done so well. And I'm way back into basketball. Well, for the nineties, because after the Bulls broke up, I kind of stopped because my whole thing was uh, Pippen, Jordan and Rodman. And when that whole team kind of, was destroyed by Jerry Krause. I just kind of lost interest in basketball and I just moved on to other things. So it was definitely a moment in time for me too. And it's weird that we're doing this episode as soon as that documentary kind of got, you know, all wrapped up. So I'm like way into this whole mindset now. So it's, it's cool to see that. Now, Al said celebrities will be there and that piques Peg's interest. Besides, this all-star game is a once-a-year thing. I mean, it transcends basketball. It's limos. It's bright lights. Celebrities. Celebrities? There's going to be celebrities? Uh, uh, no, Peg, I meant uh, celeries. <laughs> celeries is the official vegetable of the NBA. Uh, Al, I think I want to go to this game. Uh, Peg can't go. Uh, uh, Ahmed, the doorman, is going. <laughs> yeah, Ahmed can't make it. It's Silicon Madness Night at the Nudie Bar. Tonight? Tonight? <laughs> the name of the doorman implies that he's Muslim, and an establishment of this nature would technically be against his belief system, right, you would think? So, why is he working there? <laughs> I guess, you know, anything for money. Ahmed was later... The first name of the guy who owned the nudie bar. Now, is it the same guy? Well, in season nine, it's it's Akbar, and then immediately the next episode after that, or at least in production code order, anyway, it's Iqbal, and they're played by different actors. So they clearly hadn't settled on a name. Yeah, it's just a strange move altogether. Hmm. Even though they've had different people play. Oh no, they have they've had one person play different characters. Now they won't let two people play one character. <laughs> so this show's pretty picky. <laughs> um Silicone Madness Night at the Nudie Bar tonight. <laughs> that uh that's awesome. I love their response to that. <laughs> like when um uh, when <laughs> Jefferson's like, Oh man, like <laughs> <that's> tonight. <laughs> I think silicone can look nice if it's done well, but so but so many times it just looks like they're just plopped on, you know, like they're completely separate from the rest of your body. 
And if that's the case and it looks all stiff and I'm not a fan. Right. <laughs> I completely agree with you, Jamie. So Oh, yay. <laughs> you know what? Like like the fake tits can look really like they don't bounce. So. Yes. Or like if you lay on your back and they're still just in the exact same position <laughs> they were in when you were standing up. Yeah. Well, the crazy the most disturbing part is when they're done wrong and they lay on their back and you see these two Frankenstein lines going from the top of their stomach to their nipple. Oh my god. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> Franken tits. Franken tits. It looks like I'm telling you. It's like why even bother if that's what they're going to look like when you're done? I would just leave it with nothing or whatever the case was before you did it, you know? So Kelly looks hot in this red dress, man. I mean, what a great opener for her in season eight looks wise, huh? Yeah, she looks very red. Like, I didn't know a woman could be so red. (laughs) Even her hair. I don't know if you noticed, but like her hair has sort of like a reddish tinge to it. And I thought. Originally, that was because, you know, she's dressed all in red and it's like reflecting or something. But, hmm. you know, over the years, I've learned that Christina liked to dye her hair red in the hiatus. So I think between seven and eight, she dyed her hair red and sort of dyed it back blonde, but it's still got that strawberry hue because it does stand out sort of in the next episode, too. Oh, I never knew that. That's cool. Yes, because, like, in a couple of seasons' time, you'll, um, you'll see what happens when she decided to stay red. But, yeah, she definitely did it between seasons eight and nine. And so I reckon she did it between seasons seven and eight, too, and I can probably find a picture. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's why it looks red. Wow, nice. I didn't realize that. Now I'll go back and watch. And we'll, <laughs> like we'll put some screenshots up on the group page. So uh, she she's going to go to the basketball game, too, it turns out. Well, then it's settled. I'm going. You can't peg. There's a league rule. No women allowed. <laughs> going to the all-star game tonight wait a second how did you get a ticket i don't need a ticket i'm young available and i look like this kel kel when are you gonna give up i mean every year you try to marry a basketball player and every year you just get older and another crop of girls turn 18 I mean, pretty soon you're going to be girding your loose loins in leather and sitting in the pathetically past their prime section with Diane Cannon. Ho, ho, pimple still skin. Oh, by the way, the Eagle Scouts called? Your merit badge and celibacy came in. Well, if I'm not back tonight, then my mission was accomplished. And you may forever refer to me as Mrs. Vladi Divots. Uh, yeah, he was in the on the Lakers, and he was there for the 1991 Finals when the Lakers lost to the Chicago Bulls, and they won their first championship. They beat Vladi Divac and the Lakers. So Bud says, soon you're going to be riding your loose loins in leather and sitting in a pathetically past their prime section with Diane Cannon. Now, Diane Cannon is an actress, and she's a huge fan of the Lakers, and she has been attending games there for three decades. So, Yep, you see her all the time. If you watch the games, you'll see her sitting on the—well, I don't know about now. 
I haven't watched it in years, but you used to see her on the like on the sidelines all the time. With Jack Nicholson? <laughs> <laughs> so that just goes to show you that a L.A. basketball fan wrote this line as opposed to someone from Chicago who would never know this. Yeah, that's a good pickup, actually, by Luigi. Yeah. Shout out to Luigi. Yeah, his his, his oh by the way, Luigi uh this research his notes on this episode are unbelievable. Um he went all out this time. You know, oh, you yeah. have to go go big for the season 8 premiere. <laughs> so Kelly says if I'm not back tonight, then my mission was accomplished and you may forever refer to me as Miss Vladi Devox. Interestingly enough, there's a picture of Vladi Devox with Meghan Markle. That was taken while this episode was being filmed, and we are going to post it on our Facebook group page. It's a cool pic. Yeah, it's cool. I like stuff like that. She was way involved with this show as a kid. That's cool. Yeah, because I sort of wonder what else is out there. Right. So, Hal, what do you think I should wear to the game tonight? You can wear your robe and your bonbon bib for all I care. Because you're absolutely, positively staying home. Now, isn't this fun? Patrick Ewing groin pull doll. That's nice, Peg. At least you won't be doing that to me now. So Peg has a Patrick Ewing groin pull doll, which looks like one of those stretchy wrestlers. I don't know if you, of course, uh, two women aren't going to know what I'm talking about. But as as a kid, what does that mean? Of course, I know what you're talking about. You know, stretchy wrestlers. Of course. I did watch Is that like even, a stretch Armstrong? Yeah, only they were a little bit smaller and like like stuntier. And they had all these wrestlers and yeah. And if my boy friends <laughs> right. didn't have them, I watched commercials at least. So mm-hmm. I'm totally aware. It was 80s WWF wrestlers and uh, maybe 90s, maybe early 90s. And um, they were like, stretchy rubber they're from ljn and they were filled with sand or something like that like silver sand if because i'm sure i cut them open as a kid and uh you stretch them as far as you can and they come back to normal and everything and uh it looks like that's what peg had a variation of that as she was uh pulling <laughs> patrick ewing's groin so uh patrick ewing obviously was a uh, the center for the new york knicks uh, he was the guy from Georgetown. He never won a championship because he was around during the Jordan era. And, uh, even when he was not playing for those two years, Akeem Olajuwon was. So, <laughs> uh, and he's better than Patrick Ewing in a lot of ways. So, uh, the dude had numerous groin injuries during his career. So this is a low blow. No pun intended. <laughs> now, listen, this is the first time you've been to a game. So let me explain the rules of basketball. Rule number one, no talking. (laughs) And when you break rule number one, and you will, there's rule number two, which is, if I look at pretty girls walking up and down the aisles, and I will, (laughs) 
You can't say, are they prettier than me? Always know the answer will be, yes, she is. And in some cases, yes, he is. I'm sorry, honey. I was pulling on Patrick. Did you say something? Not a word. All these rise. Tonight, singing our national anthem is Miss Tina Turner. So... Tina Turner's going to sing the national anthem, which it turns out to be Kelly in a wig. <laughs> and she's next to Vladi Divac, hitting on him the, the whole time. Oh, say can you see? There's more to see than this. By the dawn's early light. But you'd be too tired to wake up. What's so proud? wrote this song. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that look like Shut it could be... Shut up. Hey. At least it's better than Roseanne. Uh, and Al says, at least it's better than Roseanne. If you guys remember, longtime listeners of our podcast, we played that whole Roseanne national anthem uh, clip on... What was it, Annabelle? Hot Off the Grill? We played it probably. Uh, I want to say yes, because that's when Peggy sings the National Anthem. Yep. Yeah, so probably. Well, this is what I don't get about this. Was Tina Turner supposed to be there? And if she was, where is she? And if it wasn't Tina Turner, then who was supposed to sing the National Anthem? And where are they? Did Kelly kidnap someone? Did she tie them up in the back? I don't understand Well, yeah, I wondered that too. I wondered if Kelly had Tina Turner physically tied up in the back somewhere. Or, you know, it's like a, a gay man dressed as Tina Turner was supposed to come on or something, and Kelly tied him up somewhere backstage. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it would have been cool to cut to a shot of Tina Turner stuffed in a locker, and all you see is her hand sticking out with rope tying around her wrist or something like that, and her, her you know, feet down on the ground or something. Like, something funny like that, like, and then maybe a, a bag over her head. You know, something so you don't have to actually hire... And you just hire. see, like, a really nice leg sticking out or something. Yeah. yeah, something like that. That would have been funny. And, like, she's, like, shaking like she's scared or something, you know? Like, that would have been a nice cut to do, uh, to explain this. But since they didn't do that, I assume that Kelly just pretended to be her agent or something and booked the the charity game and then just showed up and, like... Yeah. You know, something like that. Even though somebody would have said, where's Miss Turner? <laughs> and then Kelly couldn't fake that. Yeah, well, it's an interesting reference because of the Connors now and how Katie Seagal is on the Connors. It's just, it's, it was weird how all these things always match up. But, yeah, because everyone knows Roseanne, which the anthem, and when it happened. And I just I remember the season three premiere of Roseanne that year when she comes out and she made a reference to it and the audience is like, woo but she did sing it again in 2012 at the end of her roast, her Comedy Central roast, and it was much better. She sang it for real? Yeah, she just sang it for real. I think she, she sang at least the last couple of lines of the last verse, and it's, it, it's probably online. It was better, but it was still, like, shrill, but at least it was sort of in tune. But, and then Katie Seagal is at that roast as well. I mean, it all ties in. Yeah, Katie Seagull being on the Connors. How weird that seemingly the mom from Married with Children replaced the mom from Roseanne. 
on the Connor show. Not for real replaced, but still, like, just the fact that she's there and they were rival shows and she was on a show that dissed Roseanne how many times? I wonder if Roseanne was still there, would Katie be invited onto the show? I don't know. They seemed friendly enough at the roast, but, you know, um, Roseanne was originally thought of as the role of Peg Bundy, and then that's Katie Seagal. And then Roseanne gets fired from her own TV show, and now she's replaced by Katie Seagal. And, but, yeah, I mean, the only chance... If Roseanne was still around, then, you know, Katie would have to come in as a an ex-girlfriend of Dan's or something and try to steal him. But I sort of like it now because they have a nice chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess me and you are some of the rare people who like the Connors. A lot of people hate <laughs> it, and they, they hate the idea that she was uh, fired and everything, and I'm not going to yeah. support this anymore. Now, listen, I'm not for the firing. I mean, people make mistakes all the time, and I don't know if you should take away their entire livelihood or whatever, but, uh, you know... It, Sadly, I hate to say it, but they they did a good job of keeping the show going. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. you know? <laughs> it's coming back next season, so she may, Katie may come back as well. Yeah, yeah, she might. Well, she should, yeah. Well, you know she ain't going to be doing no marriage children stuff, so you might as well get her there. Mm. So. so the security takes Kelly away. <laughs> uh, they drag her right off the, the court. Now... This takes place, like I said, after the Bulls won their third championship. They just won their third one. Um, and this takes this takes place in, obviously, Chicago. They really should have tried to get, like, Jordan, Pippen, or Rodman onto this episode. Oh, sorry, not Rodman. Uh, Horace Grant, because that's who was on the team at the time. They should have made an effort, or John Paxson or something, you know? Uh, instead of just two or three random guys. That, you know, there were big names in basketball, don't get me wrong, but mm. it would have been better to have Chicago people, especially at the time when they were sort of, you know, they're in their prime at this point. They didn't know how big they were going to get in the years to come. But, yeah, this is as big as they were going to get at this point. So um, now they got the real announcer who announces the Chicago Bulls to be the announcer in this episode. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Ray Clay. And that concludes tonight's national anthem. And now it's time to meet your NBA All-Stars and Danny Ainge. He's like, now you're Chicago Bulls. Like, that's the real guy. So this episode is really authentic in that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nothing. And let's get into this, too. Like. Now that we're at this basketball game, does anything about this seem authentic to you or does this seem totally fake and unnatural? Because besides this announcer making this truly authentic, there is nothing natural about this entire episode, right? I mean, do you guys feel like you're really at a basketball game on any level here? (laughs) The atmosphere and the setting and the the lack of showing the court and all that stuff. Yeah, there's no actual play. Yeah, no play at all. At all. Yeah. It's just weird, right? Yeah. It is weird, and the crowd's very quiet, and, mm. um, like, they, well, we haven't really gotten there yet, but, like, at the end, even, they're sitting there during this whole thing, and then, you know, Al comes out talking to Peg, and nobody says, I mean, nobody's doing anything. They're just kind of <laughs> there, and it looks like it's in a high school gym. <laughs> like it's very small so 
Yeah. And I didn't know. It does look like a gym, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And I didn't know probably half the guy. Like, I had no idea who the X-Man was. Well, we'll get into him. He has. You should have known who he is because he's been on every single team in the NBA. (laughs) But I don't watch NBA, so. No, no, what I'm saying, I'm just joking because this guy was bounced around like you oh, wouldn't believe. Okay. Oh. Did he have like an attitude problem or something? Like what, 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 uh, why would he, why wouldn't anybody keep him? He was good enough that he was a, a household name on some level, but oh yeah, I mean, this guy was just bounced around through the NBA like you wouldn't believe. It was really kind of sad, and it's going to become laughable when I tell you, as I keep going down the list of every team he's on, you won't believe I'm like still talking. It's, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Does it make sense that he would have been in an all-star game? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, I know, like, I know Patrick Ewing. You know, I know... Right. Um, I know Charles Barkley. Yeah. I know like the big ones. Shaquille but, O'Neal, they mention. Um, yeah, I mean, like anything like that, I know because they were. You, all you had to do was watch commercials to know those guys. You didn't even have to know anything about basketball. Or hell, they might even show up on Saturday Night Live. But when he was like, "Oh, that's the wrong dude. That's the X Man," I was like, "I I don't know who that is. Like, <laughs> I have no idea who that is." Yeah, this episode taught me who X-Men was. Well, see, it's educational. It is. I think TV is educational. Well, the, the guy says, time to meet your NBA All-Stars and Danny Ainge. So that was a diss to Danny Ainge trying to say that he's not an All-Star. Uh, now, there is another diss later on in the episode from Clyde the Glide Drexler. And so the story with Danny Ainge is... Now, I don't know why exactly they're dissing him, but I, I think I know why. It, it must have been uh, something Clyde wanted in there because Danny Ainge was on the Trailblazers in 92 when they lost to the Bulls in the finals. Then Danny Ainge went to the Phoenix Suns the next year, and then they were in the NBA finals against the Chicago Bulls, and then they lost. So Danny Ainge was in the finals two years in a row and lost twice to the Chicago Bulls. So it could have been something where, like, he wasn't loyal to the Trailblazers or something, and he left them for better opportunity and then made it to the finals, so that really pissed off Clyde Drexler. Um, And then, you know, he lost, so that made Clyde happy at least. But I guess that wasn't enough because he, like, I'm just guessing he pushed that into this episode Uh, because... he disses him again later himself. So that could be why they diss Danny Ainge. Now, um, Peg has to pee. Al goes to pass her uh, his cup he's drinking out of, his big gulp cup. <laughs> but uh, that's not going to happen. So they left to go to the bathroom and missed the most exciting quarter and a half of basketball. <laughs> like, perfect for Al. Hey, Riley, nice hair. What are you using, 30 weight now? Pat Riley was the coach of the New York Knicks during this time in the 90s. He was a high-profile coach, regarded as one of the best coaches in the NBA. 
and he always had this slicked back, like, gel hair look all the time. His hair was always wet and slicked straight back, and that's why Al says um, about the the oil in his hair or whatever. He's in 30 weight. Yeah, 30 Which weight Which I thought oil. that was a great joke. Oh, so you know Pat Riley then? Yes. Okay. And then Al says, hey, Barkley, you're playing like a virgin. Now... This is when he was with Madonna, right? Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> right. Now, there's an article that Annabelle fished out. Basically, the article says, um, he says, enough about this stuff about him and Madonna, which he says is totally not only false, but may have contributed to his mother-in-law's heart attack this weekend. Uh, now, this was during the NBA Finals uh, when he lost to the Chicago Bulls in 93. So they just happened. So this is all very current for this episode. Um, so Barkley says she, you know, his mother-in-law, has had a lot of stress from the jokes about me and Madonna dating and has been harassed with people like the media calling the house, said Barkley. She's not doing well right now. And that's a major concern. He says, I only met her, being Madonna, one time when she was in Phoenix. We don't date. We don't have a relationship. And Barkley is married uh, and with his wife, and she lives in Philadelphia. He said, they should leave my wife and daughter alone. When my wife goes out, they play Madonna songs. They're calling my in-laws. He said, this stuff is ridiculous, unbelievable. Nothing happened. I'm trying to concentrate on the finals, but this is harassment of me and my family. So, yeah, it was a big topic uh, going on at this time. Well, I mean, we know that Madonna had a thing for basketball players because of Dennis Rodman. And so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But at the same time, that would be really annoying uh, like, my first thought would be like, eh, you know, just ignore him. Who cares? But then when you start talking about them, like, calling his in-laws and harassing his daughter and his wife, like, it's just, you know, stop. Yeah, why are you harassing his wife and playing Madonna songs to her? Like, she was cheated on, if anything. Right. I mean, if if this if this is true, if this is really happening, she is going through the fact that her husband is cheating on her with a huge megastar. And then you're going to, what, shove it in her face? <laughs> right. That makes you a real ass. You know, like there is no way you can come out not looking like an ass in that scenario. No. You know, do it to him. Play it to him, if anything. You know, tease him about it, not his wife. Hey, Barkley, you're playing like a virgin. <laughs> Well, you're supposed to act like that at a ball game. The players love it. It shows you appreciate the sport. Oh. Hey, Baldy. <laughs> Are you a real player, or did Sinead O'Connor get a tan? <laughs> no, that's the wrong guy, Peg. That's Xavier McDaniel. They call him the X-Man. He's coming this way, Peg. You don't know me. <laughs> yeah, the X-Man. So Sinead O'Connor, everybody knows, is the bold Irish singer-songwriter who rose to fame in the late 80s. 
uh, and the 90s mostly during the whole grunge era. Her debut album, The Lion and the Cobra, was a big thing. Uh, but yeah, she blew up in the 90s like everyone else. What was her big song in the 90s? Nothing Compares to You. Yeah. And then she had her infamous uh, appearance on SNL where she tore up the picture of the Pope. Yeah. And that was, that had people just pooping their pants everywhere. It was crazy. And I watched it. Like, I was watching it at the time. I was a regular SNL watcher back then. And I also was a Sinead O'Connor fan. Not like a big fan. I really only knew about Nothing Compares to You. And then that was, like, you know, that was it. But I liked the song. But I <laughs> I thought there was, like, way too much kerfuffle about the whole thing. <laughs> Like, all right, whatever. Like, and because to me, it's just like if somebody does that, that's a personal thing, and I don't really care, you know. But I remember it was insane. I mean, people just flipped out. And can you imagine, like, people flipped out because we already talked about the Roseanne thing when she was singing the national anthem. People flipped out about that. People flipped out about this. We were just talking about the whole Charles Charles Barkley thing. Can you imagine if we had social media back then? Oh, like, oh, holy cow. Yeah, it's funny. People view this culture now as a bunch of crybabies and sensitive, you know, whiners and everything. And the fact is, no, we were always like that. But now you see it right in front of you on social media and you get to see it individually. This was all happening anyway. Right. I mean, people, people haven't changed. It's just that they that now everyone has a platform and everyone has a stage. And honestly, as much as I love a lot of things about social media like for instance annabelle you know wouldn't be here with us right now if it wasn't for something like that like we not even know that she was out there and right oh no i mean forget that i wouldn't even be here right now i wouldn't even know you right you know you wouldn't have met all those years ago so it has done so much well hell i wouldn't even <laughs> know my husband you know so right um, it's my life would be completely different now. And so I do appreciate that and, and all the things that it's done. But then at the same time, sometimes I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to us, you know, because it's just contributing to us falling apart. The, the very thing that is responsible for bringing us together as a world uh, could also be the very thing that will be responsible for tearing us completely apart. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, diatribe over, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, though. No. Like we said, Peg insults Xavier McDaniel. He comes over. He was nicknamed the X-Man. He's He was a basketball player for uh, which team, you ask? Well, 85 to 90, the Seattle Supersonics. 90 to 91, the Phoenix Suns. 91 to 92, the New York Knicks. 92 to 95, the Boston Celtics. 95 to 96... Arachlis Theosolnakini. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what? Uh, Arachlis Thessana... Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. Oh, that's a mouthful. I don't know that team. I don't either. What was their symbol? <laughs> uh, 96, 98, he came to a team you could pronounce, the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> I don't know what was happening in ninety five, ninety six, but uh, Can I just he ask Jamie something. Yes, 
Do you think X-Men is good looking? I don't remember. <laughs> Made an impression then. <laughs> no, I um see I watched this yesterday. When he turned around, I was trying to figure out who he was. I do remember this cuz like he cuz he's cuz when Al said, "Oh, that's the X-Men, you know, no, that's the bad that wrong guy." You know, don't say that about him. And then um I was like, who is that in my head? And then when I saw him walk up, I was so preoccupied with trying to figure out if I'd seen this guy before and who he was that I didn't even pay attention. So, um, maybe? Okay, I was just I curious. <laughs> what do you think, Annabelle? Uh, oh, he's all right. But, like, um, I watched this episode, you know, like, many, like 15 years ago with a friend of mine, my best friend at the time, and we watched this episode together. And the first time he turned around... My friend goes, sexy. Okay, no, <laughs> I, was I wouldn't like, go oh, that far. Like, okay. I, I know, I wouldn't, I know. <laughs> no. Uh, that's great. Excuse me, but I couldn't help but overhear your little witticism. Uh, he made me say it. <laughs> My mistake. Uh, you know, Mr. X, I might leave him alone. He played high school football. Then you're familiar with leaving the game on a stretcher. <laughs> hey, couldn't we start things off as friends? Uh, could you help me get Shaquille O'Neal's autograph? Picks Al up in the stands and throws him from his seat all the way into the basketball hoop. <laughs> you know, and like I said, now it's time to have fun with this show. It, it's at this point where you could almost accept this. And, you know, it's the most ridiculous thing. And Jerry and JP would have flipped if they saw something like that back in the day when we were doing this podcast. But everything considered where we are, what we've done, um, where we are in the show. We're just happy the show still exists at this point. And, you know, with everybody thinking the show went downhill in season seven, but we realize it's great. Like, but there's just a lot of perceptions and everything. And with the new writing team, with the divorce of Michael Moy and Ron Levitt, this might not have happened back a year ago or whatever, but it does now. And it just seems more fitting. Everyone is, it's more appropriate to like the scenarios and how it just seems like the actors are even acting a little different too. Like, the vibe is just different here than it was, right? Like, everything just seems a little different in the in the more fitting way than the wrong way, like it was last year. And they, thank God, bailed out of that whole mindset. But they brought it back here, and I'm okay with it. I think it was funny to see Al in the basketball hoop. So, Annabelle, what do you think about the shift of comedy approach in your favorite sitcom? Well, it's interesting because you could have you, you sort of um, well, you sort of summed it up quite well, actually. Oh, thanks. I'm very glad that this being a first episode of a new season that they didn't try anything outrageous like a new baby or add an add a, <laughs> an obnoxious child. So that's good, and that's sort of a relief. But yeah, there is a shift. Like there's a different vibe, as you say. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is different. It's different, and it's it's slightly refreshing. Not that we need it or anything. Like, I could have kept going with the Season 7 vibe, but, uh, you know, second half or whatever you want to say. But I'm okay with it, basically, is the point. Um, I'm going to roll with it. 
you know, it's clearly a comedy show, and and now we're leaving what we all knew, and we're going to see how this goes uh, in season eight, and that's all. So, Joe Piscopo, is he over there? So, you know, we've done the Joe Piscopo thing so many times on this show. He was referenced over and over. We've played clips from the dude. We've explained them ad nausea. That's the end of the first half with the score tied at 81-81. Well, that's good. I came to it just the right time. Hey, Al, could you change seats with me? I can't see. Can't see what, Peg? It's halftime. Yeah, but I think that's Joe Piscopo over there. Over there, Peg? That's an usher. Wait a second. That is Joe Piscopo. Oh, come on, honey. Change seats with me. I won't ask you for another thing, I promise. Come on. (laughs) Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to play Basket of Cash. Some lucky fan will get a chance to shoot from the free throw line for $10,000. And tonight's lucky contestant is sitting in Section 8, Roby C2. Did you guys hear the audience? Like, they know where this is going. Like, as yeah. Tiger switching seats and he's saying that, they're like, oh, God. Yeah, you expect it. It's going to happen, but you still ride with it. Oh, it's great. I love it. It's perfect. It's Al's life in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's me, it's you. Congratulations, miss. No, wait, 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 wait a second. Now, see, see, she's not me. I'm her. Now, see, that was my seat. We switched. Tell him, Peg. It's me. It's me. <laughs> That's not fair. She doesn't have a chance in hell of making the shot. That's the way we like it. <laughs> Come on. And now, the precision choreography of our own all-star cheerleaders. The cheerleaders, they were dancing to that song, Whoomp, There It Is, by the group tag team. Do you remember at this time, there were two songs that were seemingly identical? One was Whoomp, There It Is, and the other one was like, Oomp, There It Is, or something like that? And it was out at the same time, too. Exactly like it in what way? Here, I have it right here, right? Okay. These two songs, the chorus is is almost the same. One is Hoot, there it is, W-H-O-O-T, there it is, released by 95 South a month earlier. Oh, wow. No, I'd always thought that people were just spelling it differently. Like, you, because there were t-shirts and everything, you know, like it, it became like it was such a big deal that people would have t-shirts and some of them, some of like... Some people would say whoop, and some people would say woot. And I thought it was the same song, but it was just people, some people spelled it one way, some people spelled it another. You know, I had no idea there were two exact same songs. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's wild. And how did I not know that? Yep. <laughs> and they were both recorded in Atlanta. <laughs> so, how weird is that? Well, Atlanta was a big, like back then, Atlanta was a big part of the hip hop scene. So that makes sense. But it's just, I don't know how I never realized they were two separate songs. 
That's great. I don't think I did either, but I just looked on Wikipedia and I don't think the 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 Woot song even got released in Australia, so that probably explains that. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Now there's only one. <laughs> different songwriters too. I mean, yeah, so weird, right? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. I'm taking it back to the old school, because I'm an old fool who's so cool. If you want to get down, I'm going to show you the way. There it is. Let me hear you say. Woo. Set my VCR. Necessary. There's my phone number. There's only six numbers. Well, come on, I'm not easy. Charlie, okay? We can make it happen. So Kelly's hitting on Vladi Divox again for the second time after posing as an all-star cheerleader, and uh, you could tell she has some had she's had formal training because when she just looks around at these girls and she's trying to do the same cheers as them to blend in, she she's pretty good at it. Yeah, she is, and she you know for about two moves she does it really well. Because where was she a cheerleader? And uh, was it Poke High? Yeah. Season three, Pokai, yeah. That, <laughs> and she always seems to use this to hit on guys, right? <laughs> Isn't that what she did there? <laughs> she was hitting on the quarterback or something like that? Yeah, but she only gave uh, six digits this time. Oh, oh, yeah, the phone number thing. So, uh, yeah, let's get to that. Yeah, Vladi Divots is like, uh, she says, I can make you happy. And he says, you could show me how to set my VCR. Because <laughs> back then, I talked about it a few episodes ago, that people used to uh, program their VCR to s- start recording and stop at a certain time to record their shows, which uh, young people probably are like, what? Um, everything's DVR now. So, yeah, that was a challenge back then. So that's where that joke comes from. And Annabelle, you said during the research team talk that, you know, kids who don't even know what a DVD is. Well, there was one kid. I think it must have been in a supermarket because, other than work, that's all I've, that's all where I've been, basically, recently. And then, yeah, just randomly passed this kid and said, "What's DVD?" In response to something, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my 
God. But then right after I wrote it on the research notes, I then heard someone say it on Dead to Me. So it was either Applegate's youngest son or one of his friends says the same thing. I was like, oh, God, we are really, really living in a time when kids don't know what DVDs are now. Yeah, they just press buttons on their TV, you know? Yep. So, yeah, with this phone number thing, she gives Vladi Divox her phone number, and he says, there's only six numbers. And she says, well, come on, I'm not easy. What does that mean? Like, you're going to have to work for the last number or something? Yeah, exactly. Like, look, I'll give yeah. you the six, but I'm not that easy. You're going to have to get the seventh on your own. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Or work for it, you know. So Kelly's phone number is 555-2878. You learned that in season three, Poke High, that we just referenced. <laughs> Uh, when Kelly tries to snag Matt, the football player. So her tactics have not changed all that much, if at all. See, here I can understand her having to try hard. The other guy, I didn't understand that. Okay, Miss Bundy, we'll be shooting in about five minutes. Here are the rules. You get one shot from the free throw line, make it, and you win $10,000. Sounds easy. Any questions? Yeah, just one. What's a free throw line? (laughs) Don't spin it all in one place. Should be ready, wise guy. Hey, shave your head. Give me your hair. I'm taking the shot. Don't be ridiculous, Al. I'm sure that if I practice, I can be just as good as that smoking Joe Lewis or any of those other quarterbacks. Another slow day, eh, God? She's getting everything wrong. The names, the what positions they're playing, what sports they're playing, all that. Well, sports in general. I mean, one's boxer. (laughs) Oh, two of them, both boxers, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, both, yeah. She combines Smoke and Joe Frazier with Joe Lewis, two boxers. Uh, So, yeah, she's clueless. She didn't even know what a free throw line was, nothing. And then Al says, slow day again, huh, God? (laughs) Because Al (laughs) believes that God just screws with Al whenever he's bored. (laughs) Okay, now look, Peg. Now, pretend that I'm the basket. I don't know, honey. I've pretended you're a lot of things. A cowboy, a a knight, Mr. T, dead, but a basket. Peg, concentrate. This is $10,000. Do you know what I could do with $10,000? Take 10,000 trips to the nudie bar. No, Peg. Just one great one. I would think so. And also, I think that with $10,000, you could have more than one amazing night because you don't. I just think there's like there's only so much you could do. Why would you pay more for it than you have to? (laughs) Especially in 1993. I would spread that out. By the way, did you want to know what that is today? Ah, yeah, sure. $17,743.18. Wow. Nice. All right. Now, relax, take aim, bend your knees, and let the ball roll slowly off your fingertips. Uh, You know, Al held his hands out. She was going to throw it. He formed a hoop with his arms. She shoots and hits Xavier McDaniel on the back of the head. (laughs) Uh... He sl- so he goes after Al again, and he slides Al across the like announcer's table or whatever, the long, long table. Clearly a stunt man, <laughs> right? I mean, 
They maybe could have pulled... I, don't, I think they couldn't have pulled the camera any further. The best they could have done is probably angle it from the from the other side, though, to not get his face so much. And then you could still see his head dunk into the Gatorade jug. <laughs> but uh, they chose the angle where you could kind of see that it was a stuntman. But uh, still funny, nonetheless. So Clyde the Glide Drexler uh, makes his way onto the show. He was the guy who made it to the NBA Finals last year and lost to the Bulls. And now it's time to play Basket of Cash. Tonight's lucky contestant is a woman. From Chicago, Ms. Peg Bundy. Ms. Bundy says she's married to a successful doctor. And not to Al Bundy, the shoe salesman. <laughs> and now presenting the basket of cash ball, a starting guard for the Portland Trailblazers and proud member of America's Olympic dream team, Clyde the Glide Drexler. You know, anyone can do that. I have to make it from here. Don't worry about it. Just think of the line from that famous commercial. Oh, you mean just do it? Well, no. I was thinking Lego my ego. <laughs> but yours is better. Uh, so that's the obvious Nike commercial. Just do it is a trademark of theirs. And uh, the inspiration for that came from Gary Gilmore's last words, let's do it. The Just Do It campaign allowed Nike to further increase its share of the North American domestic sports shoe business from 18 to 43 percent. So from 877 million to 9.2 billion in worldwide sales from 1988 to 98. Just from coming up with that, Just Do It. That never made me want to buy Nike. It was more like uh, Jordan and Pippen were wearing them and stuff, and it was cool, and it, everybody was wearing them, I guess, in the 90s and late 80s. But, yeah, it's amazing that something that stupid could... Uh... We should come up with a slogan for people to join our Patreon. Let's come up with something. Ready? Hooters, Hooters. Yum, yum, yum. Hooters, Hooters on a girl that's dumb. I <laughs> <laughs> think that'll work? Perfect. I just invented that. <laughs> it's Perfect. I can't believe you did that right off the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt it would fit this show. Especially this one where it's just you and two women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really, yeah, that was good timing, right? <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, no, I was thinking Lego my ego, but yours is better. And, uh, of course, Ego Frozen Waffles by Kellogg's. Uh, that slogan was used in 1972, believe it or not, and continued till 2008. And they were like, okay, we're done with this. And then people started getting nostalgic in 2013, so they reintroduced it. And it's become a big thing because, uh, what, Annabelle, the girl from Stranger Things? Yeah, she's 11. She seems to like them. And they sort of became a thing and, I guess, repopularized popularized them. That's a word. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, Eleven's use of Eggos increased sales in any way. Probably. And she did a Shanae O'Connor thing. Her head was shaved in the <laughs> season one. <laughs> See, it all ties. <laughs> uh. Okay, good luck, Ms. Bundy. Don't be nervous. Peg goes to shoot this free throw, and she keeps getting interrupted. Ten! 
$10,000 riding on this shot. people rooting for you or against you. Go ahead and shoot it, baby. And then uh, he finally gets strangled by Al. <laughs> Which is great that that guy played along with it, too. He's cool. And uh, then Al talks into the microphone, encouraging Peg to do good. Peg shoots the ball, and it goes in slow motion. And as it does, you get to hear the inner thoughts of Al, Peg, Clyde Drexler. $10,000. Gee, I wonder if I could get a cheerleader for that. $10,000. Gee, I wonder if I could get a player for that. Hey, if we'd had her instead of Ainge, we'd have won the championship. He just disses Danny Ainge again. (laughs) Still sour grapes from leaving the Trailblazers, I guess, and going to the Suns. I don't know. Um, You know what I should have done? I should have looked more into it. Like, I wonder if Danny Ainge missed a free throw or two in the final seconds of, you know, the game or something and literally cost them the championship. Like, I wonder if there was something like that. So, Peg misses it. Al took it well. (laughs) No, no, Peg, no, that's all right. You gave it your best shot? Not disappointed, Al. Disappointed, Peg. It's the only way it could be. I wanted it. I needed it. I deserved it. How else could it have turned out? Then it's your fault. From the minute I said I do. I mean, did anybody expect her to make that shot? Like the whole time they're doing the buildup or anything. I don't think anybody out there really thought it was going to happen. You know, if you know the show, if you watch the show, you're like, well, that's not going to happen. Well... Peg did bowl a 300. See, the only way you would think it will happen is because good things normally happen to her. Yeah, but $10,000? Right. Now, Annabelle, wasn't there something in Season 7 where something good like that happened? I feel like we just had some, a moment like this. In Season 7, where they win the, yeah. the scra- $5. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> <laughs> Something significant. I forgot what it was. Oh, God. I'm trying to think. The trip to England? Oh, no, that was the end of season six. And really... yeah, we all lost there. No, it's kidding. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man, I can't remember. But I just feel like um, Peg, it could have went either way, I thought. Yeah, because if, if, yeah, exactly, either way. Because if Peggy made the shot and got it, She'd keep all the money for herself and spend it in two seconds. So I wouldn't get any of it. Just like in just time to smell the roses. So Right. Like she'd buy a car with it or something. Just the same way she won that Mustang in How Do I Love Thee? Yeah. You know? So yeah, I thought it could it might have went in, but yeah. So what do you guys think of that kind of an ending? I mean it's very anticlimactic. It's a season opener. I'm really sorry about the money. 
I guess basketball's just not my game, huh? Yeah, I guess not, Peg. Come on, sweetheart. Let's go. Okay. And the big payoff, I suppose, if you want to call it that, is Peg... You know, they they say, well, I guess it's not your thing. They both turn around. Peg throws the ball over her head back without looking at the hoop, and it goes right in. Uh, Which would have been cooler if they actually pulled away a little bit more and and they had her do it a hundred times until you could see her let go of the ball and see the whole travel and go into the hoop. Because obviously she just threw it straight up and somebody was over the hoop and just dropped another ball right down in it. Yeah, well, you can you can hear someone catch the ball and then presumably <laughs> someone else throw it in. So, yeah. He could have tried a little bit. We're like, at least let's do 30, 40 takes, and if you don't do it, we'll do it the other way. Or maybe they did. Who knows? Um, so what do you guys think about that ending? It's cute, but it's a bit... Al took it very well, didn't he? So, yeah, I don't know. It never. I think when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> Well, that's kind of the impression or the, the reaction that I had was, you know, oh, OK. It was very abrupt and just very, OK, that's it. Let's go home. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, oh, we're done. Yeah. all right. And then, the, like I said earlier, the crowd is just so quiet, like nobody, nothing's going on. He's just sauntering out to the middle of the court talking to Peg, just standing in the middle of the court, talking to Peg, just very calmly. And then they just calmly walk off and nothing is happening nothing's going on no one's saying anything no one's doing anything and like that's so weird it's so weird but you know i mean it's a fitting ending for them i guess it just seems very abrupt it just makes you be like oh well this is over that wasn't so bad and uh and that's it you know you don't have like a big ta-da ending or anything uh you, you would think that when you're writing this episode you know Sometimes you start at the end and work your way to the beginning or something because you have some great idea (laughs) and you want to now build into it. So it's like here they clearly started from the beginning and really didn't have a big ending and couldn't come up with one and said, well, we have to get this done. And uh, so as a writer, I'm going to say that this guy did not know how to finish his, his episode. It just didn't seem like... You walk away from it feeling anything substantial, you know? Yeah. Honestly, I kind of feel that way about the entire episode. I mean, I don't, I don't, it's not like it was bad. I, I enjoyed it, but it just seemed like here's a, a, like an, I don't know, like a parade of cameos or throwing names out there. I just didn't feel like it was narratively all that strong, but at the same time, it also was over really fast. Like, I felt like it flew by. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's probably part of the reason that I thought it ended abruptly, too, because I wasn't expecting it to be over yet. It just went by so quickly. And I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. Well, that that's that's it then. So I don't uh, – it's, it's kind of a weird one. It's weird. But like I said, I did enjoy it. Like, I thought it was funny. It just was seemed kind of weird. Yeah, when it ended – my immediate thought was I have to watch this again before our show starts because I watched it while I was taking notes. It went by so quick. It ended abruptly, like you said. And then I just didn't know what to make of it. And I said, I I have to watch this again without taking notes because I really liked it. But I don't know. I don't know what to feel after I was done with 
the end. I just don't know what, what I thought of it at that point. So um, I sadly did not get to, but uh, walking through it uh, on this recording, uh, I think I could still come up with a pretty uh, accurate rating. Now, uh, I'll do for the first time uh, season eight starting off great because I forgot to mention where the title comes from. So <laughs> a tisket, a tasket uh, is uh, the famous nursery rhyme that everybody knows made famous by Ella Fitzgerald. Annabelle mentioned earlier that this season started with a brand new opening credit sequence. Now, it's for everyone but Christina Applegate. She's still classic Kelly sitting on the couch with her leg up painting her nails or whatever she was doing, right? Yeah. They, yeah, they changed everybody except her and still kept the same couch sequence that they had since season four now. And, yeah, but we're... yeah, yeah every, everybody will get a new credit in season nine, including Kelly for a certain reason, except for Peg next year. But, yeah, for here, I guess they didn't feel like they needed to update Kelly's. And it's a good shot. But, yeah, why? I don't know. It it was good. But you know what I noticed? It looked old. Yeah, it does stand out. Yeah, the film quality is lesser because they changed the lighting on the set to make it feel more modern and fresh. The lighting is brighter uh, in the later seasons. And... It's more dull in like the beginning seasons, like season four or whatever. So when you have all these new shots of everybody for the intro, then all of a sudden you get to the the lighting of Kelly's old one. It really stands out as strange. Yeah, they sort of changed the the text on the names as well. So it's it's sort of yellower and thinner. That's really pedantic. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 you're right. So, yeah, and it's weird to go and use the old couch gag from, like, Bud looks like a little kid again. It's like, why couldn't you record that, too? I don't even understand. Like, what's the big deal? You know, it's like, it's it's very strange, this whole, it's very uh, mishmashy. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Not that I care. I forward that stuff anyway, but, you know. Yeah, but they, they keep that couch sequence for a long time. Season four up until the beginning of season 10. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's weird. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. All right. How many times are you going to randomly diss Danny Ainge out of five for this episode, Jamie? I think I will throw out four random disses. I really did. I I thought it was funny. I liked this episode. And like I said, it went by quickly. Everyone was there. Uh, It still it feels like a weird way to start a season. And that seems to be something that they've been doing um, because I said the same thing about the season opener last season. It just doesn't. 
I don't know. It, it feels like a middle of the se- like a, a middle of the season episode to me. I don't I don't know. Weird. But I did like it. I just didn't love it. And again, I'm going to have to say what I said that time that everybody pointed that out is that I think they think it was big having these basketball players show up and do these big cameos and all this stuff and being at a basketball game that I think that this show thinks they did do a big opener. Well, you know what? You're right. You're right. And probably back then it was. So with me looking at it through, you know, 30 years later, I guess it just doesn't have the same impact. Also, because like I said, I didn't know like some of these people, I didn't even know who they were. So it's not going to have the same impact that it had back then. And so I guess that's right. That's more my fault than their fault. So I, yeah, I mean, any other time, because with all the cameos and the, and the mentions and everything, I mean, but they did, did they really have that many cameos? Because like they mentioned Charles Barkley, but we never saw him. Shaquille and Danny Ainge. Yeah. But like, so throwing names out there, that doesn't really count. Um, the the guy that they did get, I didn't know who he was. So it doesn't. Um, so I <laughs> but guess. He was sexy. It's not really all that, it, all that impressive. You know, if they had actually had all those people there, then like with the. Um, like Joe Piscopo and Tina Turner. Oh yeah, uh, like with the what was that episode? Old the old not oldie but goodie, but the um, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, if they had done something like that, then that's big. You know, um, that'd be that's like sweeps week worthy or um, season finale worthy or season opener worthy. But this is like they talked about a bunch of people and they had some guy that I didn't know who he was. So <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> So four out of five. Wow, that's really that's a high rating. That's decent. Yeah. All right, Annabelle. How many times are you going to randomly diss Danny Ainge out of five for this episode? I think I will diss at least three times. Let's say three and a half. So you're you're just going to start off at this and not really. Yeah, he might turn around and glare at me, so I stop halfway. <laughs> If he was actually there, right. (laughs) Now that we've discussed it, I'm wondering if, like, they asked him to be on the show and he refused or something. Because, yeah, or or if it's a Clyde Drexler thing or something. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting season opener. And I think because of um, these various basketballers that they have on, and if you look at the promos, which you will soon, Three very distinct different promos. There's one that is just Al playing basketball and it's not even part of the show. And there's one with um, Ed O'Neill and Don Rickles because Don Rickles had a show starting that season after Married with Children. And then there's like real promos, various lengths for the actual episode. So they, they sort of went all out and sort of just to say, look at the players we've got on this episode. There's no additional child. He's gone, blah, blah, blah. So they might have been like, please come watch our show. We're still good, I swear. So that's probably why they had them in the first episode. That's sort of what I can think of. But, yeah, it's kind of like just a run-of-the-mill episode otherwise. They go to a basketball game and Peggy tries to win 10 grand. I mean, like Bud has literally nothing to do in the episode. Marcy and Jefferson just get a a fleeting visit at the start, which is fine because it's a a fine scene, except for Marcy's awful hairdo. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) 
She looked good last season, but she did. Like her hair was like it was getting quite long, so I guess it was like too feminine or whatever. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I don't hate the episode. I don't love it, but it's fine. Right. So yeah, a solid three out of five. It's a it's it's a good indicator of sort of how the season goes. There are much better episodes coming. Right. But it's it's fine. That's all I can say, really. I mean, there's a not there's a lot of content in the episode, but there's not a lot about that you can actually say about the episode itself. It's just it's fine. <laughs> right. It's sort of the best I can do. Yeah. Three and a half out of five. So we got four and a three and a half. I'm gonna go with three and a half also. Oh, cool. Yeah, good rating. Um, like Jamie said, it flew by. It was engaging for sure. It was interesting. It's always fun to go somewhere with the Bundies. It's always good to um, do something different. It's cool that they got pretty big names. I mean, not really, but uh, I did know all those guys. It wasn't even like, you know, a challenge to figure out who they were or anything. So... They did good in that respect. Uh, as a season opener, like I said, I think they think they did good. And it probably was at the time bigger than we're thinking of it now. So, you know, I'll say it was a decent opener for a season. <clears throat> the humor is definitely changing at this point. Ron Levitt's not there. Uh, the writer is fresh, brand new. And he definitely did not know how to finish this episode. That's why I can't give it a four. I think if you just put another hour or two of thought into this, you could have came up with a better ending or at least something, a better payoff. Like if she missed it, okay, fine. But then, you know, something has to happen where except Al just accepting it like, oh, well, hey, listen, yeah, you know, I guess it's not your thing. You know, like, oh, well, okay, that's your ending for that alone. It can't get a four from me. And I like Kelly, you know, her B-plot of her trying to get Vladi Divac's phone number. I think there were a couple good lines in there. It could have been a little funnier. I think she gave it her all, though. Uh, she did good with what she was doing. It was interesting to hear her sing and all this other stuff. And Jefferson and Marcy, you know, we absolutely loved them in season seven. That was probably their best season to date. Here was good, but I don't think at that level that they were doing what they were putting out in season seven. I don't think they hit that exactly here. And, um, Peg was very into this and enthused and she gave it her all, I think. And she was excited, I believe. And Al was just, you know, basic Al, nothing. Um, he didn't do anything amazing this time around, but, uh, Peg was, you know, more of a standout character of the show this time, this episode. So that was cool to see. So yeah, 3.5 out of 5, a uh, decent season opener. I'm not worried or anything yet. Yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's interesting for someone who's not from America to watch this episode. I mean, at the time, like, I knew a passing reference to Vlade. I knew who he was, but I definitely knew who Clyde Drexler was because he was part of the Dream Team and all that. Um, I even had a basketball card with him on it. And I just want to give a shout-out, if I may, to Chris Gunther. He is on the group, of course. He's very active, and I'm sure he's a Patreon member. But we're Facebook friends now, too, and he showed me a picture of him with Clyde Drexler, and he still looks really good for however old he is now. But Chris is a big basketball fan, so just a shout-out to him. Just make his day. Yeah, he's a huge Rockets fan. He loves Akeem Olajuwon. I always love that name. That's a great name. Akeem? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. Eli- the whole thing. Elijah Wan. It's just, it's just fun to say. <laughs> yeah. Chris Gunther was on The Price is Right. Look for that video. Hopefully he's posted already on our Facebook group page, Married with Children. And uh, he's a big supporter of the show. So, yeah, this basketball episode is dedicated to you, brother. So, Annabelle, thanks so much for coming on. It was really great having you on. Oh, well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, it was fun. I feel like that I've crossed something off my list. So, (laughs) well, because we chat in comments all the time and – you always make give us wonderful feedback, and I appreciate that. But I was really excited to finally get to talk to you, talk to you, because oh, yeah, okay. yeah, and 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 back at you, because yeah, yeah, exactly the same thing. We talk online, but it's really nice to talk in real time like this. And um, it's yeah, because I really like what you guys are doing, and I think you do a wonderful job. I really do. But and it's really hard for me to look at this show objectively, if you know what I mean, because I've been watching it for so long and I've seen the episodes so many times. Right. So that f- sort of fresher perspective is really appealing. So any other, like, new opinions or fresh opinions and sometimes I think, oh, yeah, that's right, and then maybe even my opinions change slightly just wow. on reflection. Oh, yeah, I think that's very that's true, especially for season seven. I mean, we discussed that season seven did not jump the shark at all, and I always loved it. But like just going and exploring the season even more episode by episode just really fleshed out just how good it is. It, it kind of reaffirms your overall thoughts that nobody agreed on. Yeah, and people saying, oh, I, I think I agree and it didn't jump the shark. I'm like, ha-ha, I told you, see, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we all learned that. I think we all assumed it. You know, like we always said, the broad stroke of just thinking of seven, that we all just brush it off as, oh, yeah, this is the uh, the one. And when you take a closer look, which all of us did, you know, we all did this together. It's not like, you know, I uh, said years ago that I thought season seven was good um, when I took it on my vacation. But uh, I didn't really I wouldn't like, you know, hold. I wouldn't like if you had a gun to my head, I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, it's great. You know, I. I just figured it was, but now looking at it closer, I definitely think it is. But uh, so it changed my mind too, like to really reaffirm that idea. So it was a learning experience for me too. So it was great. So before you go, can you just tell us really quick, what is it about the show that struck you and why did you become such a big fan? Like, you know, there's a lot of shows in your life and you came across this one and like what episode was it that you saw first and what what took you from sitting there and this came on your tv to creating websites and being like the authority online for married with children like how did that happen so i sort of watched married with children as long as i can remember sort of through school and stuff and i must have been quite young because i don't actually remember the first episode i ever saw but I would see it sporadically and then they put it on after school at like 3.30 in the afternoon for a lot of season 8 and season 9. So I could have even seen this episode back when it first aired. I would run home from school and watch it then. And it just that sort of thing, just, just things like that. And I always liked the show. And then in October of 1997, we got cable TV <laughs> and... There was a channel called Fox 8, which is very much like a Fox affiliate that you guys would get. And Married with Children was on it. And I was so excited that it was on there. And I think, oh, my God, I love this show. 
And I watched it and I thought, holy crap, I'm in love with this show. It's funny, it's hilarious, the casting is inspired. And it was right around the end of season three, so that peak time when the show was really good. And I started recording it then, but I didn't keep the episodes. But you know what the first episode I ever kept on tape? It was Tooth and Consequences, wow. which I think is Jamie and That's Dan's my first episode. First yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So that's the very first episode I ever kept on tape for good. And next thing you know, my mum's saying, four tapes. That's beyond a joke. <laughs> And now I've got, you know, boxes of tapes everywhere. Some I've gone through and digitalized them all. And some I've kept because it's it's like the episodes, I've kept them as they were because they, when they first aired on cable on a different channel, they aired them without commercials and they were complete and uncut and with the original music. And so I've kept those. And, yeah, it was just from then. I'm like, oh, I really love this cast. Um, what else have they done? etc. And then it just grew and grew and grew. I just really, really love the show. I mean, it's one of those shows. It's a comedy, but it's not soppy. There's no... It's not... Which is nothing against that. It's just not a cheesy sitcom, you know? Yeah. And Yeah, because I like a lot of different TV shows, but Married to Children has, has always been number one. I think from October 97 onwards, yeah, that's when I started becoming wow. the fan that I am. So, and I just, because I love the cast so much, I just started collecting interviews and like whatever I could find on TV. And then I hooked up with um, like when tape trading was a thing before DVDs were invented. Mm-hmm. And I used to tape trade with people in England and the States. And I tried to get more stuff. And yeah, I met some interesting people. Wow. And then, and because of the internet, I have a lot of stuff. Wow, so when when you hear our show, like, do we ever point out trivia or anything that you never knew or thought about? Like, do you learn anything from this, or are you so deep into it that you learn nothing and it's all about just the fun banter? Um, about the show, probably not, because I'm like, oh, yeah, that good point, yes. Um, there'll be, like, some obscure reference or, like, um, like if some actresses pose naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're always yeah, on top of that. Yeah, I'm not going to know about that. But, yeah, it's stuff like that, which is sort of different. And then, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always like little asides. I mean, because you guys are horror fans, you're always going to link it in some way to that. And I'm no horror expert, so, yeah. Yeah, always find a way to make it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But, uh, yeah, thanks for being a longtime supporter and contributor. You're amazing on the Marrow Children research team, and you really round out all of our episodes um, since you joined. So, yeah, now we're going to play the cameo that you got to end off the show from David Faustino, and he even mentions our podcast on it. So check out Annabelle's David Faustino cameo right now. Hey, Annabelle, this is David Faustino. Uh, I think you know me better, obviously, as Bud Bundy, uh, a.k.a. Grandmaster B. And I'm not going to go through my regular spiel because... If I'm not, if I'm, unless I'm mistaken, you've been a long time uh, social media friend of mine, fan friend. Um, I want to say, I think it started on Twitter, but maybe on Instagram, but I, I think on Twitter. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for reaching out and for supporting the cause and for being such a great supporter of mine throughout all these years on, on Twitter and, and across social media. I did not know that you ran the uh, unofficial Married with Children page on Facebook called Buddam. 
Uh, and, and you do, let's see, you help with the Married with Children podcast. Okay, that's dope. Well, shout out to you Aussies. Uh, shout out to Budum. I'll have to uh, check that out. I'll have to search that out on Facebook. And uh, thanks for reaching out. Will Bundy to you, Annabelle. And uh, stay safe, y'all. All right, so this is September 5th. Alex, cutting back into the podcast to wrap things up and tell you about the future of this podcast. So, You mean like married? With children? Uh, yeah, Dylan, this podcast. You know, a lot of people were saying, what happened? Why did the podcast end? You know, the obvious question, things like that. And, you know, I don't want to speak on anyone else's behalf. So I'll give you a generalization. We were all in different places in our life when we started the podcast. We were definitely in different places when we started together, the three of us, in 2013, January. You know, life changes, people change. It was a long, long run, you know, seven years together. And the places we were in at the time fit doing the podcast. And, you know, things need to all be in place to do things properly, at least for the vision and standards that we always had. The three of us collectively couldn't get on the same page anymore for various reasons. It's not as simple as just getting on and recording and everyone's just robots and coming on and always on schedule or always uh, ready to record and not canceling or, you know, when something comes up, is it handled properly, you know, that all those things didn't always happen. I think a lot of things that um, were unsatisfactory to any of us were not said, so we let it build up, I guess, and then it just kind of fell apart from under us. So we decided the best thing to do would just be to to walk away. I definitely did not want to do a cast change thing and continue on. I just didn't want to do it a second time and then finish out the last four seasons. When all this fell apart and I took the time off, I gotta tell you, it was just great to actually have some free time. Seeing life where there's not always deadlines and not always scheduling and not always editing and not always producing and not always pulling clips and not always making up banners and not always uploading here, uploading there, sending this email, sending that email. And like, you wouldn't believe how much of your life this show can take up, especially when it's on a weekly basis. So once I saw what everyone else's life has been like, because mine has never been like everyone else's life for for eight years. And once I got a taste of that, I knew that I definitely saw this as the right time to retire. It was just the right thing to do in my life. So instead of uh, getting a new show together and continuing on, I thought, let's just leave it at that. But we have really passionate listeners, mostly our patrons of the show, the people who supported the show all this time by donating a small donation and keeping the show afloat and then we could use that money for whatever we needed and things like that. Like Those people cared so much that they didn't want to let this thing just completely sink and go under. So they decided to get together and form three teams. I think it's like I think it's like five or seven people all together and they divided themselves among three teams and they divided up the reviews and 
all the shows will get reviewed by a new team every week. And it'll continue on weekly, just like it has been. So thank you all who have been listening to the Married with Children podcast from episode 1 to 157. And this episode, 158. And we hope you continue listening and check out the new team and see how they do and see if they are right up your alley. Maybe they're more of what you want. You don't know. It's going to be a lot of variety. It's going to be different. It's going to be fresh. The passion will absolutely be there. These guys have been a big part of the Marrow Children podcast since they heard the show. I would not want to pass this on to anyone else. Everyone who's going to be carrying the torch are all people I think very highly of. I'm completely content and excited to hear what they have to offer. These guys told me they have studied the technique of how I've been producing these shows, and they're going to keep with the same thing, the intro in the beginning, the clips throughout the episode, talking around the clips, everything exactly as is. Um, They will leave intact, and the show will go on without a hitch. You won't even notice a difference in the format. You got to remember that we had a Married with Children research team, so... You know, I did a lot of my own research, but Luigi did a ton of research, Annabelle did a ton of research, and just things that she already, that are just in her head all the time, uh, she added into the show, so uh, in that aspect, nothing's going to change there. So you're pretty much going to get the same show, just uh, a wider array of hosts. Um, A lot of them, when they came on the podcast, they were naturals. So again, thank you for Dan, Jamie, and myself. We appreciate everything, all your support, all your likes on our YouTube videos, anytime anyone shared our show, all the reviews on our iTunes app, all the comments on our Facebook group page, all the comments in YouTube, all the interaction, all the listening. Thank you. I will be sure to make a few guest appearances. Uh, One thing I'll be doing is whenever when these guys are done doing their reviews and then they give their final thoughts, I will also be giving my final thoughts on every episode. That was a feature that a few of the guys thought would be a cool idea. So I will insert every at the end of every show when they give their final thoughts and ratings. You'll hear me drop in and and do the same. So I get to have some... uh, (laughs) Some airtime for every single show still. So that'll be cool. You know, come in, give them overall thoughts, and and, uh, be a part of the team still. So I pass the torch to these guys. They have my seal of approval. Check them out. And uh, I will see you in drips and drabs along the way, and I will make a few guest appearances every season. I'll pick out some of my absolute favorites that I don't want to miss, and I will be there. And hopefully Jamie will be there. Maybe Dan will be there, Jerry will be there, JP maybe, I don't know. It's up to these guys now, It's they're, uh, they're running the ship, so uh, we'll see what happens. So, the rest of No Ma'am, I am passing you the mic, let's rock. <laughs>